Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Uh, on today's uh, episode, we have a friend of mine, Eric Houston. Eric is a uh, former sports exec who started a not-for-profit uh, focusing on mental health. It's called We Are All a Little Crazy. Um, Eric has great tidbits and great knowledge. Uh, I think that can help all of us, especially in this quarantine time. Yeah, Eric had some great insights on the interview, talking about how everybody's affected by mental health at one level or another. And how all of us need to practice, just like we work out to try to get ourselves in shape, we need to mentally get ourselves in shape as well. Let's go to the interview. So Eric, thank you so much for joining us. Um, give us a little background on uh, what you've been doing the last few years, about your, your, your journey, your path, and uh, kind of then we'll get into a little bit of you know, COVID and hopefully on the, uh, the flip side of COVID, what we're looking forward to. For sure. Thanks for having me. And, um, you know, the, the long and short of it is I worked in professional sports for 15 years. I uh, was with the NBA league office, a number of NBA teams, and then a number of NHL teams and kind of got smacked in the face. What felt like out of nowhere uh, with something mental health related. I didn't know what it was. Uh, and, and found myself dysfunctional, just laying in a bed, cognitively, just not there. And uh, I, I spent two and a half years chasing what I think our society is told is, is the right way to pull out of something like that, which is the miracle pill uh, uh, way of getting out of it. And, and I, in total, tried over 50 different drugs, uh, tried what was called TMS therapy, where they put a uh, helmet on your head and shoot electromagnetic waves in your brain to try and wake up the synapses. And then uh, actually was inpatient and tried shock therapy, um, which I didn't even know they still practiced. And unfortunately, none of those things worked for me. And ultimately, the way that I healed was by finding out uh, through what's called an integrative practitioner, how past life experiences impact not just myself, but everyone was, was the realization I came to. And so the background is I had an older brother who had cancer twice, uh, septic shock the second time he had the cancer, was in a coma for three months. Uh, we didn't know if he'd wake or if he'd have any brain activity, was in a car accident, broke his femur bone, was in a body cast for a year, homeschooled. Uh, another accident that he had, um, flew out of a Jeep. Uh, landed on his head, cracked his head open, lost partial vision in his eye, was in ICU. His kidneys failed from the rigor of the septic shock. He was, uh, was on dialysis, and then my father donated a kidney to him. I had three of my close friends pass away in my 20s from unexpected heart conditions that, that, that were undiagnosed. So all those things collectively had built up inside of me. And I think for people who are so focused on their work, so focused on their passion. You know, we grew up playing sports, you know, so you're, you're, that's your passion growing up and that's your escape. And then when you go into the work world, you know, my escape was, was sports and working in, in the sports industry for you all. It's certainly a different uh, passion, but it's a passion nonetheless. And so I think what happens with our brains, what happens with this connection between our brain and our body is, we become so ultra focused on something that we enjoy and something that we like and something that becomes part of our our repetitive routine that we neglect all the things from the past that are building up on the surface inside of us. And, um, you know, the analogy I, I make is it's, it's like for physical health, we have these things called arteries that build with plaque inside of them. But we know from a young age because we learn in school to go to jump rope for heart 
and, uh, and, and to not live a sedentary lifestyle and to get our heart rate up. For me, the mental health side of things, what made it analogous was, was that stress and trauma is building up inside of us over time. And it doesn't have to be as intense as mine was. We can, we'll talk a little bit about the day-to-day of what everyone goes through. But mine had built up to such a level and my love for sports had carried me for so long that I separated myself from those things that had happened. And so what felt like came out of nowhere and knocked me on my butt was actually uh, all these things from my past. And so I decided to form an organization, uh, the name of which is we're all a little crazy, crazy in quotes, just so no one thinks I'm using it in the literal sense. And the idea is that mental health lives on a continuum. It's not the sick or the healthy. It's not the one in five versus the four in five who are healthy. It's all of us. And we all face different challenges. And our campaign then within that became kind of a, a show the camera, the same here campaign, which is an American sign language sign. And reaching back out to my contacts in the sports world, starting with sports, but then kind of growing into the entertainment world from there became, how do we get the world to understand that we all have a story. Well, same here is that way. It's I've been through challenges. You've been through challenges. Here's my challenges. It was a divorce of my parents, the loss of loved ones. It was bullying. It was cyberbullying. It was growing up as a foster child, whatever it was, it doesn't matter that there's differences in those backgrounds. What matters is it rolls up into the same end result, which is our social and emotional health gets impacted. And yet we don't understand that because we're only talking about it in the context of anxiety, depression, PTSD, which people don't want to hear. They don't want to be labeled with and they don't want to talk about it. So, uh, you know, without going too much into detail, it's the awareness piece of that. And then the programmatic elements that we do in schools and colleges and corporate offices uh, with sports teams to do hands on work to help folks get to a better place so they heal number one and then on the business side of things so they're more productive number two. Yeah, and I know a lot of the awareness we discussed, I mean, everybody talks about physical, right, health. And it's becoming more and more accepted over the last few years through people like you discussing mental health. So, I mean, what's the, how, how is that going? And, and what, what, what kind of steps are you taking? And what can, you know, we all do as a, as a general public to recognize it, to help each other and to help ourselves, frankly, right? You know, it's interesting, and maybe this is a skeptic's view, I don't think that the awareness from a mass scale that's been created by nonprofits, has been created by government agencies, and that's been created by media is actually getting us to a better place. Here's why. The, 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 the awareness that we're gaining are things like this celebrity, Kevin Love, has anxiety disorder. What's the end result? He has a panic attack and he runs off the basketball court. Not many people relate to running off the basketball court in the middle of the game. And if they do, they say, oh, that happened because he was playing in front of thousands of people in the stadium or millions of people out there. Britney Spears has depression, shaves her head. Lindsay Lohan has anxiety. She's a hot mess and she dresses like a mess, right? Uh, Charlie Sheen is an addict and looks like a skeleton version of himself, can't get out of bed. The awareness piece that's out there right now, unfortunately, is still related to disorder and erratic behavior. So while there's greater awareness about mental health, the problem is people don't know what mental health means. They still equate mental health with mental illness. That would be the equivalent of us talking about physical health because you mentioned that physical health is more accepted still, right? Even though we're, we believe we're getting to a better place with mental health, that would be the equivalent of, of, of physical health being, hey, Andrew, hey, Alan, uh, we're not gonna worry about your physical health until you have cancer, heart disease, or diabetes 
Then we'll give you a pill for it and you can start feeling better. Don't worry about getting off the couch, live a sedentary lifestyle, eat whatever the hell you want, and we'll deal with it later. Right. That's, not, that's not right, right? And so it's defining what mental health is, which is why going back to this concept of a continuum is so important. When you ask, like, what can we do? It's why we went away from all these campaigns that you see out there, stop the stigma, stop the stigma, erase the stigma, break the stigma. All those things do is separate us further into two different groups. It's the people who are the poor victims and then the people who are stigmatizing those poor victims. That's not reality. Reality is why we went to same here and why we have celebrities talking about it, why we have people on social media sharing the hashtag, why we get people sending in letters and, and pictures and, and, and notes to us that we post is the sooner we come to the realization from awareness perspective that it's all of us, it just happens at different levels and at different times in our lives, that's what's going to break down this concept of stigma without saying stop the stigma. That's what's going to bring the awareness to a place of action where people are going to say, okay, I get it now. I'm on that continuum. What do I now do about it? What are the exercises? What are the activities I need to do? Just like I go to the gym and I work on my physical health, what are the mental health activities? Because think about it. When you say there's greater awareness, you see a ton of people literally going to all these places where they can meditate all the time and do yoga all the time and breathing practice all the time. Like, yeah, the, like Lululemon's done a nice job of sexualizing yoga and, and you wear tight outfits and it's a nice place to go, but that's what people think about yoga, right? Like, and I'm talking, I'm not talking about the enthusiasts. I'm talking about the people on the perimeter who are the majority of us who don't know about those things. We haven't been able to dive deep enough to understand, holy shit, if I have a routine where I'm working out my biceps or I'm running on a treadmill, I should have a routine to make sure that this thing, there's a, there's a gym for this thing as well. And we're not there yet. You know, I've, I've actually seen in our real estate industry for the last four or five months, the whole industry's changed. We're real estate lawyers. So for the last 10, 20, 30 years, everyone would pack into a room and we'd do a closing. Well, now people are social distancing. So there's logistics of moving closings from one point to the other. Some people won't leave their home. Some people will only meet certain people. So we see with our employees, you know, this changes. And now we're working remotely. We always work together collaboratively. So I see it in everyone's faces. We do, Andrew and I, morning huddles with all our teams. And sometimes you see these blank stares on people's faces. And it's, it's about the mental pressure that they're all feeling. Give us some, some pointers as, as, as leaders. How do we lead some of these people through this and I think what the worst part is the uncertainty of this whole COVID-19. No, absolutely. So, you know, what you're describing in terms of that blank stare that you're seeing in people's eyes, right? The, the talked a little bit about this with Andrew before, but I, the, I think there's three things if you want to look in a macro bucket uh, uh, standpoint that's going on with COVID that's affecting mental health. The first bucket is something that everyone recognizes and understands. It's the what if scenario. So what if I lose my job or what if, the market goes completely on a tank and, and, I, and even I keep my job or I'm self-employed, I can't make any money. What if I get sick? What if my family gets sick? What if my parents get sick? What if I'm in a hospital and I can't, I can't see anyone and no one's allowed to visit me and I need to talk to people on FaceTime as I'm literally sitting there dying, right? We've heard these awful stories, right? So, so the what if scenarios are already on people's minds. So, so let's take that as one. But two and three, I don't think people think about as often as one, and it's represented by what you spoke about with the fact that you're doing these virtually, is people's routines have been upended. 
So remember when I spoke about how like being in sports or being in real estate is that's our routine. That was what we're psyched about. That's what we enjoy doing. You take that away from, I go to the office in the morning or I go to this closing, right? Or in my case, I go to this school or I go to this college and that's no longer the case. And now it's, wait a second, I've got a little more time in the morning. I can wait a little bit longer before I wake up. What happens is when our routine get, goes away, our purpose and our identity takes a hit because we know ourselves as Alan, the real estate guy, right? Andrew, the real estate guy who's super successful in these areas and when you're not having that day-to-day -day and that reminder, that takes a hit on who you are as a person. That, I mean, there's, there's a little piece to that, that that we should examine now while we have the downtime to say, who else am I besides the real estate attorney, right? What kind of great father am I or great husband am I or what kind of uh, uh, attribute to society am I where I can dedicate my time and be a volunteer, right? We want to develop our persona outside of just who we are as in a work environment, but but that work environment being taken away takes a hit on our value as a person, right? So that's number two. And then number three is all the distractions that we're used to that allow us to keep some of the things that have happened in the past at bay. Things like going to sporting events or watching our sports teams on TV when we come home at night, going to restaurants with our friends, going to movies with our friends, or even on our own, some people do it just to blow off steam, right? You think about all these things that we used to do that aren't available to us anymore. That's a lot of time for this stuff that's been building inside of us to start to come to the surface. And you notice that through things like, just so people can recognize it, what are your dreams like? Do you wake up feeling angst because now all these things are coming to the surface? Are you sometimes just sitting there because you have more downtime and you're watching Netflix and now all of a sudden something from your past just comes into your brain or, oh my God, I haven't thought about it in a while. That's awful, right? These three buckets now combine and they, they create the scenario, I call it the black hole, where we feel like we're almost suspended and we're floating and we're not moving forward, right? And it feels like this, holy shit, how am I stuck in this type of place? And so as leaders, you, you, know, you ask as leaders because you're, you're, you're having these conversations with your staffs and, and your, 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 your employees on a daily basis, you know, my, my first recommendation always is, and we do courses with this with leaders, is finding this balance between vulnerability and still maintaining a position of authority. Psychological safety, I mean, there's a, there's a great study by Google, it's called Project Aristotle, and they looked at all the factors that contribute to successful teams. And they looked at it in terms of team sports, they looked at it in terms of actual teams in the, in the, in the work environment. Psychological safety is the number one contributing factor to the success of teams. Now you could argue, what do they value success as? But let's just go with that theory is if you're a leader and you're sharing some form of vulnerability yourself, hey, I felt this way when I woke up this morning, but that's okay because this is what I'm doing about it. What that does is that allows the rest of the employees on your team to say, I'm not alone. And even the person who's a top producer is going through this right now, right? And so, you know, Andrew even asked the question, like, what can we do to break down and to, and, to, and to allow the awareness to build into something? We'll get into tactical things in a second. But even just that little piece of think about what we grew up as hearing about the CEO or the president of an organization. It was always this like staunch, hard charging, Wolf of Wall Street person who's like, 
that they're infallible, they're incapable of error. There's, they're, you know, they're, they're, there's no chink in their armor whatsoever. Why is that necessarily a good thing? That's a good thing because for their persona and their ego, that's a good thing, but it's not a good thing in terms of getting the most productivity out of your employees. And so if you could still show that you are that hard charging successful person, but you do it by getting over challenges that you have in your own life as well, and you don't have to reveal anything too private. It's more, you know, something personal, but not too private. That's, we usually go through examples of those things. A loss of a family member is something that's personal, but not private, right? So how the loss of a family member impacts you allows someone else on your team to say, wow, when I've lost a family member or someone I lost five years ago that still eats away at me and that I haven't been able to get over, that makes them feel a lot safer now coming into their job that they're not going to be judged, number one. Number two, that release valve of knowing that you're a person, they're a person also, that actually creates greater productivity on their end because instead of them not only one worrying about what bothers them, but also worrying about, is Alan going to judge me based on the fact that I've seemed a little more timid today or that I, I'm not myself? You give that release valve, now the productivity improves from that point. Relatability makes total yeah. sense. Yeah. Absolutely. So you talked a lot about resources, right? What are some resources? And we can share them as well. I know uh, I've seen you send some different practitioners, I guess, doctors, professionals, so if somebody's listening to this and, you know, wants to take the first step, and I guess it's not one size fits all, right? It's, I right. know a lot of what you discussed was finding the right fit for you, which can sometimes be a little bit of a process. So we, we to that point, because you can get so lost in like, what are, what are the resources to go to, right? And, and I think, so take up the, the recommendations I'm going to give you in a second out of it. If you're dealing with something mental health related right now, think of the wild, wild west of having no friggin' idea where to turn right now. Do I go to my general practitioner? Do I go to something called a psychologist? Do I go to something called a psychiatrist? Do I go to something called a psychopharmacologist? Do I go to like an energy healing guru who does Reiki or something like that, right? Like there, there's no set place where people know where to go. And that was what I dealt with because I watched the big pharma commercials and I was like, oh, smiley face happens after a sad face when you just take a pill after 15 seconds into a 30 second commercial. So it must be that just like antibiotics made me feel better when I was younger, that a pill is going to make me feel better. And that wasn't the case. So we call the collection of practices. We call them star is the acronym stress and trauma. The two things that build up inside of us. Middle word is active, meaning we're doing active practices and then releasing and rewiring, right? So S T A R R. And the best analogy I can make is before, you know, gyms became so popular to where everyone goes in now and like the back of their hand just knows what to do when they go into the gym. If you remember in the 80s and 90s, when we would go into the gym, they'd have those old school brown, you know, cellophane or whatever, uh, the, the plastic over it, the uh, sheets on the wall. And it was like, you know, you would see 50 different exercises. If you want to work out your biceps, do this. If you want to work... Why are we not thinking about mental health in that same way? Okay, Alan might go to the gym and a personal trainer might tell him elliptical and treadmill are best for him. Whereas for you, Andrew, it's boxing and kickboxing to get your heart rate up. Different things are going to work for different people, right? So within STAR then, the idea is if stress and trauma is building up inside of us because of the things we experience over the course of our lifetime, we want to actively do practices that release and rewire that stuff out. Just like if we went to the gym and we want to burn fat or build muscle, and those are the two goals, 
there's different ways to do it, right? So within Star on the website, you'll fit, see things like Qigong meditation, yin yoga, integrative breathing practices, something called havening, something called tapping. These are all different methodologies that work towards the same thing, which is it's getting the shit that builds up in here to get out of your system. Think of it almost like a boiling pot of water is you don't want the pot to boil over too much where it starts spilling over. So life is going to continue to happen. Water is going to still keep going in that pot. We're trying to drill a hole in the bottom of the pot and drain the water out so that the pot doesn't boil over, right? And that's what all these practices do. And interestingly enough, something that we launched yesterday using the, the whole STAR acronym, we call it STAR-TING exercises. So we just added an I-N-G is because we get a lot, especially right now, Alan, you're talking about like being home in COVID. We get a lot of people, and this was my experience, you know, myself before COVID, who call us and they say, Eric, I can't get out of bed. I'm, I, I feel like I have cinder blocks on my body and I'm locked there. So we released the whole set of STAR practices, which are various stretching modalities, yoga type of, of, of modalities that you can do from your bed. You don't even ever have to get up. But the idea is this stagnant energy that's living inside of you, you allow your body to move in certain ways that it gets the energy moving. And so you're not just laying there in fetal position in the bed, hoping that time and sleeping is going to be the healing factor because it's not because I'm, I'm perfect example of two and a half years of trying it. It's not, it's moving our bodies in certain ways. It's breathing patterns in certain ways that start to help us to heal. So mental health clearly is not a one size fits all. Everybody has individuality there. How can it be right? Like think, you know, and, and I'm just jumping in because it's like, we're fed that by what we watch on TV. Right. And, and that's by design. Like, and, and, you know, Maybe I'll, I'll, you'll find me in a ditch a week from now from continuously talking about this publicly, but it makes people a lot of money to have this concept that there is a chemical imbalance, and if you just take a pill, now the imbalance becomes balanced because you're getting a synthetic form of that imbalanced neurochemical, and now you're back to yourself. I wish that worked, believe me. <laughs> I would have saved a lot of time in my life if that worked, but that doesn't work. It, it, I shouldn't say that like medication helps people get to a certain better place where now maybe if they weren't able to get out of bed, they can start to get out of bed and do the practices. But medication doesn't get to the core, which is the stuff that's built up inside of you and you getting that out of you. All medication does is if it works, and it's a big if, it gives you a little bit more of that energy, gives you a little bit more of that, that, that kind of kickstart to get going to then be able to do the active practices we need to start healing. That's great. Can you uh, give us the websites? Want to just wrap yeah, up? Yeah, sure. So the website is same here because it's our sign language sign global.org because we, we work uh, across various countries. Um, and, uh, you know, from a, from a social media perspective, Instagram is at same here underscore global, Twitter at same here underscore global, Facebook, which is probably our most uh, active community, over 60,000 right now, folks you know, engaging back and forth is, uh, is same here global, just no underscore. Uh, so, so I, I throw those out there, not out of the hubris of like, great, let's get more followers, that number. I throw it out there because what we're noticing is when you talk about this concept in, in, in the context of the life experiences we've been through, way more people are willing to jump in and dive in and say, yeah, those, those things affect me as opposed to leading with disorder. When we lead with disorder and that's all we talk about, 
we're only going to get that 20, 10, whatever percent of the, of the population that raises their hand and says, yeah, I don't mind the label. And yeah, I've been diagnosed. And yeah, you know, put the X on my back and we'll talk about it. It's great that there's some people willing to do that. But where we're at in 2020, how do you change a, a negative perception that already exists in people's mind about a certain topic? You talk about it in a different way. That's, 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 that's my solve for it. So, you know, it's, it's, I, I hope people come and engage because what it does is even if they're just, when I say engage, I don't mean likes and, and comments. I mean, just read what other people are, are writing. That's that, see that you're, you're normal because you're not normal. Right. It, it, I'll end on this. Like if you watch the movie Bohemian Rhapsody um, and, and Freddie Mercury, um, you know, he, he's, uh, he's getting interviewed. And it was before they became a big time band. And they, the, the, the gentleman who was looking to sign their label goes, why should we sign Queen? And Freddie Mercury goes, because we're a bunch of misfits who fit together because we're misfits. And we know how to communicate to the rest of the misfits out there that they're part of our misfit community, which basically I think defines the entire earth, right? It's a club that everyone is already a part of. They just don't all know it yet. And, and, and that's the string that ties us together, not this I'm sick or I'm healthy BS that we've heard for so long. I know you can talk about this for uh, days and days and hours, but I think this gives us a nice snapshot and, and you know, our audience a, a good idea. So hopefully they use the resources and, and check out more information, but uh, enjoy the quarantine. I know you're hunkered uh, down in the woods and uh, we'll connect soon. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Alan. Thanks a lot. Andrew, all right. Later, guys. You can listen to the comeback on Spotify or watch our interviews on YouTube.